A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. The second captain's world service. It is not war and death and famine, it's not that at all. It's the opposite of that, it's to persuade us of the world outside of that. That's why sport's important. Did you hear the one about the CEO who joked in an email that he should be paid for his holidays in lieu but the nuance of the gag was missed by the finance director who took the ball and ran with it to the point that the CEO was paid the money he had only jokingly asked for pushing him over his allowable salary under the terms of a state bailout leading to the suspension of state funding for the football body in question and ultimately landing them in front of a government committee where the president of the association states publicly that his confidence in his CEO has been shaken. This sounds insane, but this is the FAI we're talking about. <laughs> and these were events that were discussed on the podcast today. Uh, hey, Murph. Own, own, own. Just check your uh, check your belief in at the door. We didn't really know what was going to come from today's appearance in front of the Public Accounts Committee. Um, so we recorded the rest of the podcast, mm-hmm. chatting to Jonathan Wilson and Rory Smith. We'll play a bit of that later on. And we said, listen, we'll leave the end of the show free yeah just in case and we'll hang on to see if anything happens at the Iraq to see what goes on there glad we did that's all I'll say I'm glad we did Gavin (laughs) Cooney was on the ground at the Iraq today so I started working for the 42 in 2019 that's Arachthus committee number 8 in a time I've seen the Irish men's team win 9 competitive oh, games oh it's close and in fairness only 4 of them are against Gibraltar uh, so. <laughs> Jesus Christ it's not gone well really no that's and it's fairly <laughs> depressing it seemed to go very well for the FAI today so what were they being asked about yeah so they were in alongside with Sport Ireland before the public accounts committee this was scheduled after the joint Arachthus sport committee meeting last December you might remember that was dominated by the talk of the holiday pay that Jonathan Hill uh, erroneously received and had to pay back to ensure that state funds were unfrozen. Um, the FAI did hope to go in and, and talk all about their um, uh, proposal to raise the betting levy to 3% to get some budgeted investment in the sport but sadly they didn't get to raise that point because uh, once again a conversation dominated uh, around that issue of the payment to Hill around his holiday days and specifically on the matter as to whether he asked for it or not. Okay, well, that's a bit of what he had to say then himself. This is the FAI's CEO, Jonathan Hill, speaking. Uh, you'll see that an email um, was sent to me, actually in mid-November, which came from the junior employee we're seeking to protect from a legal perspective, just to make that clear. In that email, I am asked if I agree to a request from that junior colleague to commute holidays that the employee could not take for exceptional circumstances to a cash payment and I accept that you can't see the words in the redacted um, statement, but that is for legal reasons. Um, but within that, just to explain, both the then finance director and the COO had agreed to this request already, 
and that's referenced in the email. So I too agreed to it, although that was not a formal approval as due process would need to be followed. Within that response, I am comfortable, because it doesn't relate to uh, the junior employee, in saying that I added a throwaway line to that junior colleague saying, can you negotiate the same for me, please? Question mark, exclamation mark. For me, it's clear that this was not a formal request, and it was in an email back to the junior colleague. I copied the then finance director to the note, um, as I agreed uh, I, as I agreed as he had done. He obviously takes that line as a request and uses that email chain to go himself to the then chair. From then on, I am not part of that process, although I am asked five weeks later, as would be normal at the end of the year, how many days holiday I have taken. I reply and ask what is happening with them, saying clearly that I would be happy to carry them over. The finance director, the then finance director, who has copied on that mail, continues the discussion with the chair and with the other people in yeah, the chair, emails that you Michelle, see. can I just pause here at that point? Yeah. So are you suggesting that the email re received from us, um, it says from Alex O'Connell on the 5th of December, 1540, uh, 1541, and in the second paragraph it says, Jonathan requesting to be paid uh, out uh, his unused holidays. Are you suggesting that Mr O'Connell was incorrect in taking taking that that line that you say in an email I can't see uh, that, that he was incorrect in taking that as a request. Well, I, I, I can't comment for him in relation to whether he was incorrect no, you're, or you're not. Sa you, I'm, you, I'm saying you that, said that, was, that you didn't that intend to request it. That was his interpretation of the line that I have just explained to you, which isn't in the redacted emails, but that was his interpretation of it. Um, and so so you, I mean, you're, just, you're, you're suggesting that Mr O'Connell did not read your instruction correctly, that a joke in an email um, went on to become a formal process? I, 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 I'm not saying that, but it's clear from the emails that that is what you, happened. You either, requested it, you either requested it or you didn't. Did yeah. you request it? And, and, I, and I'm saying that it was a throwaway line in but, the email, which he then interpreted... OK, let me put it in a different way. way. Do you think it was reasonable for Mr O'Connell to believe it was a request? I think it was, Mr. I, I, it, it was simply Mr O'Connell's interpretation of the line. It's an extraordinary situation to put a fellow colleague in, to come before a joint Oireachtas committee uh, and to put all of the, the, the blame for all of this on a misinterpretation of a line you inserted in your email. And, 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 Do you accept as a chief and, executive and, and, officer and, and, the onus is on you to have, have been more clear and more reasonable no, and, and also to have prevented it? <sighs> Jeepers. So it was all a misunderstood joke. Hmm. That's the explanation here. The exclamation um, mark wasn't understood in the way yeah. it was intended yeah. if he'd added a winking eye emoji do you think it would have been clearer uh, perhaps that's all this is missing really isn't it like uh, if, if it's an emoji just at the end of the question mark and the exclamation mark and just really muddy the water and we don't know whether there was an exclamation or an emoji in there because the whole thing was redacted yeah. so obviously the email was sent in the context of this is that back in that initial Rockthus committee meeting Jonathan Hill was asked did you ask for this? And he insisted, I did not ask for this money. I did not push for it. Alan Dillon was sceptical, called it a cock and bull story and wanted to see the emails to prove that. The emails didn't arrive till 8.45 uh, this morning, mm -hmm. 45 minutes before the committee starts. Everything is meant to be in the day before. Like, the FBI were given 21 days notice to have this meeting. Now, they tried unsuccessfully to have it postponed and the whole thing was redacted. They're, the FBI are saying that we redacted it under legal advice to protect the identity of the junior employee. 
But the chair, Brian Stanley, uh, said, we get lots of redacted emails in here. Nothing as redacted as this. Would it not have been sufficient to redact the person's name? But even if you want to redact everything else, why redact that line? The key line, the throwaway line that he's happy enough to read into the record under questioning. Why not just, if if you're going to tell them about it, why not just show them it on the piece of paper? Like, and then like stuff like, you know, the like Martin O'Neill's Ireland weren't as passive as some of the language that he's used there. Like, like the (laughs) Alex O'Connell, the former director of finance, CC'd on the email. He interpreted this as a re- as a request, and all of a sudden it was done. He went to the chairman, Roy Barrett. Roy Barrett went to one or two board members. One board member, Liz Joy, said it's not best practice; it shouldn't happen. Roy Barrett decided to do it anyway and didn't tell the full board until the first of November this year. He got the money in March. The board didn't know about it until November, uh, at which point it had all kicked off when realised, oh my God, we're in, in danger of losing state funding here. But take a step back. The entire ex- explanation for this, even if it's completely fair and accurate, is this money came about because of a misunderstood joke. Mm. Well, what's not a joke is that the FAI are waving documents in front of the government looking for 893 million euro of investment for 15 years. And they've been dragged to, to committees twice to explain this and can't even unredact the line, the, the key line to all that of this. They read into the record anyway. Yeah, and the other key point to make about this is that Alex O'Connell and Aoife Rafferty, the HR director, they were on this email chain. Sorry, Alex O'Connell was on the initial email chain with the with the throwaway line. Aoife Rafferty was then on email chains with Roy Barrett and Alex O'Connell, in which this ended up being granted. They were both invited, and it, it does appear from the questioning uh, to Tony Kyohan, the chairman from Alan Dillon, that the FAI decided that it was best for them not to come. That uh, Tony Kuhan's line was, we figured that the delegation here were the most appropriate to explain the situation. And Alan Dillon said, well, that was a misjudgment on your part because they were key witnesses. Tony Kuhan uh, rejected that. But again, in the interest of transparency, if the pa- if the Public Accounts Committee want witnesses there, the FBI, in my opinion, and it's not just my opinion, I think it'd be widely shared, should be doing everything they can to facilitate the people invited that they turn up. There's another strong clip here. This is from Paul McAuliffe speaking here first to Jonathan Hill and then turning his attention to Paul Cook, FAI president. It's an extraordinary situation that an organisation would somehow in a train of emails pick up on what is uh, a throwaway line that they would then initiate a process to uh, cost that organisation money that without any recourse to you, they would build a case that meant it was exceptional and unusual that you should receive this in breach of your own organisation's HR uh, guidelines, in breach of what is best practice in, in, in terms of employee relations, in breach of perhaps legislation, that they would do all of that on their own and that you would not, uh, you, you had no part in any of that, that they did all of that on their own. I, 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 I understand your position, I understand your statement, but that is, uh, that's the situation. Yeah. Like, Mr Cook, it's a very difficult situation for you as president, with all of the members, to hear Mr Hill outline a scenario that I think is incredibly difficult to believe. Do, do you have confidence in Mr Hill? Um, I think under Johnson we've made great strides so far in the organisation. I have confidence that we can continue to make great strides as a board and the senior leadership team going forward. Uh, Mr. Cook, I, I, I hear you choosing your words correctly, and everyone should do that before in the Rocks Committee. You have confidence in the board, you have confidence in the senior leadership team, you are confidence that the FAI will make progress. My question was, do you have confidence in Mr. Hill, given the evidence that has been presented here this morning? I have morning? confidence in the senior leadership team and the board. 
going forward. Okay. I don't, want, I, I don't want to continue to press you the same question. When you say you have confidence in the leadership team and you're not answering the question that you have confidence in Jonathan individually, can I infer some... some well, uh, I think Jonathan is part of the senior leadership team. So you have confidence I have in Mr confidence Hill? I senior leadership team. Do you have confidence in Mr Hill? I have confidence in the senior leadership team and the board to continue the progress that we're making. Like, I, I appreciate you're serving in a role. You know, it's, it's an important role. It's important to support supporting volunteers. They want you to, to know, do you have confidence in Mr Hill, who's paid a significant amount of money on behalf of the, 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 the sport? My, my, my confidence, has certainly by the fact, has been challenged by the events. There you go. That's the president of the FAI mm. telling in a rock hearing, after a certain amount of obfuscation, that his confidence in his CEO has been challenged mm. by and these events. Yeah, now the chairman, Tony Kuan said he did have confidence uh, in Jonathan Hill, but did admit that this was a slip-up which is a generous language to use, uh, and also that he did acknowledge there had been reputational damage. So again, this is this is one of the big issues. I mean, we've now, I mean, this is a circus, and fr- once again in front of the country, we've got the recently elected president sitting beside the CEO in the Houses of Parliament, saying, "My confidence in in him has been shaken." Um, it's like again, it's the FBI are made to have undone are do, undoing all their good work by look a complete joke. Is in front the, of the country. Is it the old line about Watergate again, though, that, like, the the scandal is one thing, but how you react to the scandal is actually is as important, and in this case, maybe even more important. Yeah. You know, that, that this this payment in lieu of holidays is an issue. It's not a gigantic issue by the standards of the FEI. It wouldn't make it top 20, probably, you know. Yeah. But the fact, of the, the fact that, they, that they come in with redacted emails uh, like this, the... the 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 idea that uh, this level of obfuscation is just it's just taken for granted like like kind of forget about like the detail of what happened today it's just for people looking on the outside it's like fucking hell like the yeah. FBI again the FBI at it again I mean they have they're in low esteem across the country for right for uh, the correct reasons going back a number of years. And everyone in there was working pretty hard to change that around, but this stuff completely undermines it. And any like any GA person or horse racing person or any some, someone from another sport who will look at the FAI looking for money that, in my opinion, they deserve because of the neglect of the sport going back decades, largely the FAI's own fault. But however, anyone who looks at that and says, "Oh, they're out for the begging bowl," we don't know where the money will go. All this stuff, you know, is, is absolutely uh, absolutely enforces negative views of the FAI out there. On, on your initial point, um, I think so, yeah. Like, look, maybe like €12,000 in holiday pay, it was paid back €12,000 in the context of an organisation with a turnover of about €50 million. Euro. It's a small amount of money. Processes broke down. Roy Barrett did not go about things in the right way, in my opinion, by not fully enforce, informing the board. But it had been dealt with. But now this kind of absolute, this lack of transparency over how it came about is baffling to me and if I mean the, the FAI want the country to swallow the idea this all came about because I joked to an, a junior employee to which the finance director was privy and then all of a sudden I got the money if you're going to if you're going to ask the rest of us to believe that and many committee members did not then you have to show the damn line I mean, why did they redact it I mean that, that's the most frustrating thing about it How much pressure is Jonathan Hill under now do you think? I think he is under pressure uh, it's obvious if the president is in the Iraq that's saying he, his confidence is shaken 
it's not lost. Other people did back him. The new chairman, Tony Kyohan, does appear to be backing him. I know Jonathan Hill's position was weakened by this a few months ago because if you remember he was in front after that gender balance vote among the Assembly it didn't pass initially he began that by saying we have to pass this because our state funding is at risk not disclosing the fact that it had already been suspended over this issue um, there are people in Ireland who will will never get over the fact that he doesn't live here um, he said in the committee today he aims to get over from England to the office four days a week um, that's been accepted by the FAI some people don't think that's a problem other people do um, but this you know he's been front and centre here of a day that's degraded the image of the FAI and as a result affected the, their long term plans on which everyone involved in football is dependent. This is the most annoyed I've actually seen you with the FAI probably since we've started talking to you. Well, it's just that <laughs> fucking Gibraltar stat, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's tough. Well, can I ask you this last quick one then? Um, is this an and finally funny? It's not really very funny either, but uh, how does this all hit the Irish manager search? I mean, it, like we already knew this was going to be a mad week for the FAI. Now it's going to be the fallout from all this to deal with for the next for the next while yeah. while they're trying to appoint a Yeah, well look, it at least gets the managerial search off the headlines, which I guess <laughs> is one thing achieved. Who knows? I mean, I assume everything will, will go on as to whatever extent things have been happening up to now. But like, you know, I hope there are no throwaway lines given to Lee Carsley, shall we say. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, if you're Gerben Gerbanoff <laughs> and you decide to Google FAI. You speak, speaking of which, Murph, this about? Yeah. it's quarter to three. I think they're kicking off. I think Carbag are off about are what, they? half five, I think, today. It's half five. Against, yeah. um, well, against I mean, Braga in the second leg. He's sitting leg. on the bus. The so, junior coaches are taking care of the warm-up. Let's go home and watch that one. Yeah, brilliant stuff from, from Gavin there, as always, but he was particularly exercised today, as, as I pointed out yeah. to him at one stage. He was just, I was, he was quite angry with the <laughs> whole thing. I, I'm going to pick him up on one thing. I forgot to do it at the time, so I'm going to do it now. He says that this is going to take the headlines away from the Ireland Manager Search. Yeah. Not on this podcast, <laughs> because I did throw a name out today. Well, I'm sure What was it again? Don't. I have to remember the fella's name again. Don't worry about it all. I'm Yagoba, sure I remember. Yagoba. Yeah, it is. It's Yagoba Arizade. Uh, there's, yeah, that's yeah, Goba Arizadi, 45-year-old Osasuna manager, took them to the top division in Spain, reached a Copa del Rey final a couple of years ago, got them into Europe. More than anything else, he has got the big thumbs up and the reason he's in our brains. Benya Gutierrez, our Basque, Basque and also Spanish football correspondent, I should probably say. Yeah. Um, <laughs> has recommended him to yeah. us. He's handing him, the FAI need not worry about doing any more work on this. He's handing this guy up to us on a platter. He can put in the word, I'm sure, as well. And we'll have our yeah. manager. Yeah, on. I just feel like, what's wrong with you? Why are you taking this job? Would be literally my first two questions. In the press hand. conference. Yeah. <laughs> why aren't wrong you, with you? Why aren't you taking Gary O'Neill's job at, uh, wolves, yeah. I mean, the last one is Bournemouth. Wherever Gary O'Neill is now, they they need a new. They need some sort of Basque yeah. manager in there who's oh, going to take the job. Yeah, now, he's too good for us. I'd never heard of him until this morning, but I know that he's it's too good for happen. us. Well, Ken is back in money. It feels at this stage as though we will not have a manager appointed by the no. time Ken comes back from his holidays on Monday. As Irish football continues to lurch into crises, the redevelopment of Caseman Park in Belfast received a boost this week with the news that the Irish government was committing €50 million Euro to the project. Brano wants me to point out that he took part in the following conversation before today's FAI fiasco. <laughs> if only he'd known the FAI was not the most efficiently run organisation, perhaps he wouldn't have been so hard on the GAA here. Yesterday, I think, was a momentous day on the island. I think the DUP looked, looked out and said, there's a constituency for us if this United Ireland thing ever happens. And that constituency own was not right-wing Catholics and people with illiberal social views. It was um, League of Ireland fans. 
who <laughs> also might contain some right-wing Catholics and people with <laughs> liberal social views. Um, yeah, so, you know, Leo Vradker was on uh, RT last night. He said it would be a real shame if there was no Euro 2028 games in Northern Ireland. I'm not too sure why it would be a real shame. I thought, the, like, the announcements yesterday were really good. Uh, the A5 road, which I've travelled a lot to Derry, uh, you know, and a lot of people have died on. Yeah. You know, they're, so they're going to pump money in, into finally fixing that, hopefully. And then they're going to do, like, some, you know, big projects like the, the bridge over narrow water and stuff like that. But back to your question, on it's just the semantics, I suppose, around the Republic's government pledging 50 million to Casement Park Stadium in Belfast. And as I said, I do think the government in Dublin should give money to infrastructure in the north. It's just <laughs> football stadiums and football academies, as Damien Duff outlined yesterday when he was talking to the press, and as we have outlined a couple of times in the recent past on the show, are in bits in Ireland. Well, this the timing of it was interesting because Cannon, I think, was actually giving his presentation about the, the football the pathways yeah. when the news yeah. broke about 50 million going, yeah. winging its way up, up yeah. north. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not the up north bit that has me. It's the, yeah. this is another GEA stadium getting millions and millions. And to be honest, I actually don't think Caseman Park will be finished or Euro 2028 will be played there. You know, I think the DUP uh, are going to uh, veto it. It's 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 like the the cost. Also, uh, Chris Heaton Harris yesterday came out and said at the same time, like there was a lot of people saying stuff yesterday. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. he he said yesterday that like you know the UK taxpayer uh, the bucket of money isn't infinite. So you know it's it's gone from like ninety million I think up to now proposed two hundred and twenty million to redevelop, which was about one thousand eight hundred a seat. It works out with the capacity. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's it's more just you know the League of Ireland this Friday night. And again, we get accused, I get accused of Dublin bias, but like there's two big games in Dublin this Friday night, uh, Shells, Rovers, Pats, Bows, both sold out in like five minutes when the general sale tickets went on sale on Monday. That's 10,000 people at these games in unfit-for-purpose stadiums. Like, and I'm, It's not GEA bashing, but again, it's like this is another big trance of money to a GEA stadium. Kind of sounds I, like GEA bashing there, Mark. That's, that's just, like, we have, we, 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 what did you, we were discussing a couple of weeks ago about a big stadium in Cork that they can't pay yeah. off, you know? If you're a taxpayer, if you're like a non-sports loving tax or a multi-sports loving taxpayer, you have to say, what the hell is actually going on here, you know? Now, Casement Park is being built too big for anything other than Euro 2028. I think it, that's becoming increasingly clear. The fact that the... The Ulster, like, the Ulster final has gotten 34,000 people a couple of times in the last couple of years because Derry have come back into uh, prominence in Clonus. The fact of the matter is the GA is do, currently doing everything in its power to weaken and demean the Ulster Championship and by, ex- uh, by extension the Ulster final. Casement is now a mess, right? It's a complete mess. It's a GA stadium being built for a soccer tournament uh, for the benefit of Northern Irish football fans who won't go to the ground because uh, because of its location and its history, you know? So uh, over the course of the next kind of 10 years, you're looking at the Leinster Rugby want to redevelop the RDS. Mm-hmm. Bulls want to redevelop Daily Mount. Shells want to keep playing in Talca Park. And Dublin GA really should do something with Parnell Park because you're looking at whatever it is, a 12,000, 13,000-seater stadium for the richest county board or at least the county board with the highest turnover in of the 32 without a stadium that's even remotely comfortable for people to go and watch games in. That's four grounds in Dublin that all need work. And I see no way for any of the four of them to share with any of the others. I mean, Bulls and Shells is the one that you lo- would look at and say, right, well, that makes the most sense. It's not happening. But it's not happening. Yeah. 
It's definitely not happening. It's definitely not happening. Hundred percent not happening. So all of these lessons, like I look at the Connacht. Bows uh, don't even know where they're going to play when Daily well, Mount, as it is, is getting redeveloped. Yeah. So you look then at Connacht are redeveloping the showgrounds. Makes a degree of sense, sure. Uh, Galway United are back in the Premier Division. Uh, Eamon DC Park is small. Maybe it's the right capacity, but I mean, it was sold out last week mm. for Pats. Uh, and maybe, you know, John Coffey is going to lead them into Europe, you know. But we have Pier Stadium on the other side of Galway, very seldom full, very seldom gets a crowd over 20,000. Great stadium. But it, but it's not a great... It, like, it's I a, really like it. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a smart. grand stadium yeah. in that it's like your typical cookie-cutter GA ground. Windy. Stand on one side, terraces uh, on the three other sides. The idea is that on the very rare occasion that pe- that there are more people going to games in this, sta- in this ground than the stand can hold, they can just stand. And that's it. Would it not make more sense? All that, uh, The money that... Uh, has gone into uh, that is going to be given to Connacht Rugby and I know they're fundraising a bit of it themselves of course the money that may be put into in the future Eamon DC Park just put it all into Pier Stadium have the three sports all playing in the same ground and actually have comfort mm. N- like, I'm not talking about you know the home of the Dallas Cowboys here probably with URC League of Ireland and you know league hurling and league football games there's probably a lot going for one stadium maybe in Galway yeah but I I do accept your point that like we're, we have all these cities now dotted around the islands with like a stadium for each to yeah. cater for each sport yeah and so, so and not even just in the like the sectarian nature of Belfast yeah it's in Galway yeah where you have to have it's a that's stadium for each sport it, but, but so well in Dublin because you're, you're saying oh well obviously bows and shells can't possibly share a stadium mm. even though it would appear. Well, no, we we were all bows and shells were on for sharing a stadium. Yeah. And, you know, shells pulled out of that because they felt their identity would be, uh, you know, subsumed in Fisber, which is half an hour. So you can't even. So, but that, we can't even make that happen in with two Dublin clubs. You two know, Dublin clubs in the league of in Ireland. the same sport. Yeah, in the, <laughs> in the same, same sport. League. Yeah. So, is this not where the government comes in and says, "Look, we're the yeah, government"? Yeah. Well, uh, to go. be honest, and also, all the, the governments have only ever asked off GA grounds in the past right and this is why it's been so effective in the GA That's, this is why so many GA clubs own their own grounds why so many GA county boards own their own grounds and have been able in the past to build at a scale that has you know benefited their fans and has been good enough for their fans is that the government haven't asked anything of the GA other than that remember us on election day mm. that's the only question that the GA have ever that's the only like requirement that they have put on all the money that they've put into infrastructure in the country, which is ridiculous. Yeah. You know, so like there's still a GA rule. There's still a rule in the GA rule book that says uh, it has to be used for GA purposes, you know, that the, the all, all these grounds have to be used for GA purposes. There was a situation in Ballygunner uh, GA Club last, uh, a couple of years ago where the local soccer club was using uh, its indoor training hall mm. for training o- o- over the winter. In every conceivable way, this is just brilliant news. The soccer club gets to train through the winter uh, without uh, wrecking its pitch. The uh, GA club gets the rental fees. It's taking money from the soccer club in rental fees for the use of the hall. The kids are well served. They can train 12 months a year and work on their skills. An anonymous tipster got on to Crow, uh, that's the phrase an anonymous tipster got on to Crow Park to say this was happening and it's in contravention of rule and Ballygunner had to hold their hands up and say listen I'm sorry like we are in contravention of rule like the, we are breaking the rules of the GA by doing this as it stands that's the scenario 
that instead of the GA being able to say, or instead of the government being able to say, sure, you get this money, but the money has to be for the entire community. Yeah. It can't be for the the the, the fear gales uh, in the GA club, and that's it. If you take if you fundraise by yourself and you pay for it by yourself, in the same way that if Bulls were able to pay for Daily Mount or uh, Scary's Rugby Club were able to uh, fundraise and commit to development of their grants, if you do all that yourself, then that's fine. You like. You, you're the one with the keys to the gate. You can open it or close it however you see fit. The second you take government funding of any kind, national lottery funding, any of that, the second you do that, you have to talk to the other community groups in your community and say, let's, let's work something out. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Bang to the head. This was given to me by one of these guys right here. <laughs> was a hell of a rugby player. And they beat the hell out of black and tan. Defense of the Realmite. It's the bang to the head. I'm in a town of you lit bastards been told, right? Followed by another bang to the head. Anyone wearing orange is not welcome here. <laughs> Mr. Biden, quick word for the BBC. I've not put my hand in my pocket since I left. They paid me 500 pounds. BBC, I'm Irish. If any fool wants to pay me £500 to gibber and jabber, I'll take his money. I promised you some Rory Smith and some Jonathan Wilson. You did, on. And, and if you don't get. deliver, I swear to God, I'm going to go over there and I'm going... What bit have we picked out here? I'm trying to think what bit... Sorry. I know what bit we picked out. It's the stuff about Liverpool and... Ultimately, also a bit of Manchester United chat here as well. We had, just before the bit where we pick it up, I had mentioned that Jurgen Klopp had compared last night's 4-1 victory against Luton to, somewhat ridiculously, to the 4-1 against... Was four it 4-1? Nil. 4-0 four four nil nil against, against Barcelona. Barcelona. Yeah, they're big champions. It's this comeback. team's Barcelona night. Yeah, um, and, and I, you know, it's interesting that you have three major clubs in Europe whose managers we know are leaving at the end of the year in Bayern, Barcelona and, and Liverpool and the mood is very different at all three and I, I think you know, we have a tendency to, to sort of uh, apply sort of one size fits all philosophy so oh yeah if, if a manager's leaving at the end of the season we, you know, we think back what happened with Alex Ferguson in 2001 that means that the players start to think oh yeah what am I doing with my future they're less committed and there's a bit of drift well that can happen um, but also you can have the players thinking right forget the future this is about the next three months three and a half months and getting the best possible finish for Klopp 
who's yeah who's done so much for so many of those players. The fans clearly have will have that 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 sentiment. Um, and, and there is a sort of a, a, a wildness. You know, it's like the wildness come back to Liverpool. I think it, you know, it was toned down for a while, and and now they, they feel like a team who are yeah quite happy to go behind and then score four in the second half. And is, is that I, I think is, is it now twenty two points they've they've won from losing positions this season, which is a ridiculous number. You, you get into United ninety eight nine numbers, but there's this sense of. You know, destiny in football is one of those strange things that it doesn't exist until people start to believe it does, and then maybe it does just give you, gives you, gives you an extra five percent and makes opponents sort of think, oh, hang on, you know, it it it, it, it detracts five percent from them because they're thinking, yeah, it, it's Liverpool's this season. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, clearly beating Luton four-one is, it's, yeah, it's pretty much par for Liverpool even though Luton have been playing better recently but to do it having been one and a lot of injuries I mean this yeah, exactly. isn't there exactly. most of their but to there. do it having been one nil down at half time and with essentially a full team out that does become very impressive and I think the other thing and I don't know who would be responsible for this but yeah, that game was played because Liverpool played in the League Cup final on Sunday whoever it was who got that game put on last night rather than waiting has done a great job because what that does is it stops City going top at the weekend. Um, it means that the, I, I mean, does it make a difference? I don't know, but the fact Liverpool now know they will be top going into the next week, that they, they're not suddenly having to play catch up even if they've got a game in hand. The fact they're not accumulating fixtures for later in the season when yeah, they may have Europa League and FA Cup and, and as well as the Premier League, getting that game out of the way and getting it won is is a hugely positive thing and I'm not entirely clear why Chelsea couldn't have played Tottenham last night uh, and, and also done that less relevant to them because they're obviously not in the title race but it seems to me that getting that game done as quickly as possible was, was absolutely the right thing to do I th- Yeah I think the emotion of it was was related to to just how sort of threadbare Liverpool's resources are at the moment I think sounds like a couple of the, the absentees last night are precautionary ahead of the Carabao Cup final I'm, I I think if they'd really you know if that had been Man City at home I suspect Nunez and Salah would have made it um, but they are they are kind of bare bones at the moment Liverpool and it, what's really interesting about about this sort of transition from Klopp, the Klopp era to the post-Klopp era is there is a, a piece of received wisdom that dynastic managers automatically lead to a drop-off that there's others a yin and a yang within football and that if you have the benefit of someone like Alex Ferguson or, or Arsene Wenger or Jurgen Klopp that the the punishment for that the kind of karmic punishment for that is is that you know you don't have three years in the wilderness or whatever or 10 years in the wilderness however however many it might be but I think if you actually look at Liverpool that they have got a crop of young players coming through who who, might, who won't all be superstars, but will certainly either be you know squad filler or you know contenders to play in the first team, or will be sold for decent amounts of money. Um, you saw it's not obviously Connor Bradley's the one who's caught the eye, but you know Jarrell Quance has come in as a fourth choice centre half, and to be honest, saved Liverpool probably twenty five thirty million quid. Does that sound much you have to pay for a backup central defender? Same same as as Bradley, even if his his future is as Trent Alexander Arnold's deputy, that's saving a load of money in the transfer market. It solves a problem. James McConnell's played a little bit. Jaden Dans, who is the son of Neil Dans, the former kind of football lead stalwart, he came on last night. The, the, there's new signings who have, who've bedded in and and starting to look good. Alexis McAllister. Um, Dominic Sobers lie before the injury you, you do look at this Liverpool team and think whoever they get as manager and that's a slightly different sub- subject I think there's a, a risk that if you don't get Alonso that anything feels like an anti-climax um, 
then then they are kind of in a position of strength. And I'm not sure you could say the same for the Manchester United that Ferguson left behind or the Arsenal that Wenger left behind. They obviously hit, Ferdie certainly hit greater heights than, than Klopp has, he achieved, far, achieved more than Klopp has. There's no question about that over a great period of time. But I think in the couple of years prior to leaving, I don't think anyone at United was doing anything to think about the long-term future to to prepare the squad regardless of who the manager was because Fergie's focus was on winning that final title, you know, going out with glory and he'd earned that absolutely. Wenger, I think, had become so sort of bogged down in proving his own point to himself that he hadn't, he, I think, lost sight to instead of what he was trying to achieve. Whereas Liverpool, whether they win the title this season or not, they've got an awful lot of young players who look like they've got a lot of space to grow regardless of whether Klopp's there or not. Yeah, I mean, there is an excellent chance here, though, Jonathan, that uh, Xabi Alonso is not going to be the Liverpool manager. Because, I mean, I don't know much about German football, but I do know that any uh, player or manager who goes around beating Bayern usually ends up at Bayern. <laughs> and now, of course, Bayern have uh, a vacancy uh, to they fill. They do, this but I, I don't know. I mean, it, it would seem to me... Well, Klopp didn't, to be fair. Jurgen Klopp didn't end up there. Yeah, I mean, it, it would seem to me a, a yeah. step backwards for, for Xabi Alonso. I, I, it's like if you win the Bundesliga with Leverkusen, you, you, you've done it on, on extra hard mode. Why are you going to then step back and try and do it again on easy mode? It just it doesn't make any sense. Um, and I also think, you know, quite apart from the fact that it just doesn't, it, it, it seems in terms of his development as a coach that it would be a, a very unambitious step. Um, I think this Bayern might actually be quite a hard club to manage. You, know, you look at that squad and, yeah, they, they, they have clearly... You know, Good young players in, in Musiala. Yeah, is not that old. Alfonso Davis, although I know he's been linked with with Real Madrid, there are there are good young players there, but they still seem very reliant on that core of of Neuer and Thomas Müller and Goretzka and Kimmich. And okay, Goretzka and Kimmich are twenty nine thirty, but both of their levels have have dropped off significantly this year. Kimmich seems to be behaving in the classic sort of Bayern Munich star way of being an absolute pain to everybody and being kind of incredibly prickly in interviews. Um, you know, Müller kind of is, is now sort of the, the elder statesman who seems to be calming things down. I, I, you know, I think that's a squad that needs a bit of, a bit of work on it. And it's, it's not going to be easy work to, to dislodge one, two, three or four of, of, of those sort of established stars. So I, it, I mean, maybe, maybe if you've been in the German milieu, maybe you look at this differently, but Bayern doesn't look to me a particularly attractive job either in terms of what, what you'd be walking into or in terms of potential gains to your, your reputation if you're a young coach like Xabi Alonso. Liverpool would seem to me a far, far more exciting prospect um, than, than you know, as I say, trying to just do the same things you've done this season but on a much easier mode. I think if you look at yeah, that makes complete sense to me. And the other thing that's, in, that's significant, I think, is probably the optics. Obviously, Alonso does have a have a link with Munich and an emotional attachment to, to Bayern, which is completely legitimate and I'm sure is a factor. But I think it would look a bit... What's the word? I don't... I, it would look a bit off, almost, if he, if he you know, beats Bayern, as, as Jonathan says, records this wonderful achievement, and then is like, well, all right, I'm going to Bayern, bye. It feels a bit direct. The other thing that I think is relevant, if he's as talented a coach as he appears to be, is he will get his chance at Bayern just as he will get his chance at Real Madrid. Those jobs do come up 
even in good times, once every two or three years. You know, Bayern have obviously been through, I think, three coaches in three seasons now, and that's unusual for them. But it's Bayern are very unlikely to go and appoint someone who they... You know, Sebastian Hernes isn't going to go from Stuttgart to Bayern and be there for the next 10 years. It will come up again in the near future, just as Real will come up when Ancelotti goes, and after Ancelotti goes, it will come up once every two seasons. Liverpool does come up more rarely, and I think that, that will be a factor. The counterweight to that argument is that I think there are... In terms of his development as a coach, Bayern offers more, you know, more silverware than more guaranteed silverware than Liverpool, despite this season, and also a very good chance that you will be able to, you know, be in a Champions League semi-final pretty reliably for the next two or three years. So I think there are there are advantages to taking Bayern, but I, I would agree. My sense, and I'm slightly biased, my sense is that Bayern at the moment is not an especially attractive job. Regardless of how attractive you found you, you find Liverpool, I just I think you look at Bayern, you think, is that really something I want to? Is that a mess I want to have to oversee? Because you do need to transition away from that Mullenoyer generation, and no one has been able to do it. And you know that winning the title doesn't necessarily guarantee you. You know that doesn't buy you time or space. You kind of have to win the Champions League, and you kind of have to do it in a certain style. And as much as you know, Uli Hoeneß and Karl-Heinz Rummenigge and all the kind of power brokers at Bayern, of which there are a million. They all really like Xabi Alonso and he's, he's got a good relationship with them. We've seen before that that, that doesn't save you if they, if they turn. Hansi Flick had a great relationship with him, with them, won the treble, and then as soon as the first hint of trouble, off you go. And that isn't, I'm not sure how attractive a proposition that is for someone who is quite a considered, kind of thoughtful, contemplative person around his career. Xabi Alonso said to me at least twice... A terrible name drop, but it is Xabi Alonso, so it's fine. It's yeah, fine no, 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 there you go. Um, <laughs> like he's not in a rush. He doesn't. I don't think he's. He's not like Andre Villas Boas, who, who wants to cram everything into a five, seven year period so he can don't don't do the da- the Dakar Rally. Like Xabi Alonso's <laughs> not in a hurry. He wants to develop as a manager and do the best he can as a manager as long as it takes. And so I think he'll he'll make the decision that that is best for his development. And I I, I find it really hard to believe that you'd look at Bayern and think that is the answer. To listen to all of that and some more of Murph's thoughts mm. on Jim Radcliffe and his takeover, <laughs> you should sign up now to the World Service and Second. There are other time. better reasons than that, but that'll do. Five for a month plus fat. You'll also hear the episodes ad free. You'll be supporting independent member-led yeah. journalism. That's it's true. Just, That's true. Look, it's just something you're half thinking of doing. I some hear of no you, lie. Some here. of you have been thinking, oh, maybe I know I was signed up before, but I, I get enough with the Mondays and I get this on the Thursdays. <sighs> Go for it. Just go yeah, for it. Just try it five a month. Come on, everybody. See what happens. I mean, if you don't like it, then that's fine, I suppose. So, but yeah. I just, I, I really, really think you'll like it. Yeah. Thanks, bro. Uh, yeah. Thanks, all. Hey, that's great. Now. It's the opposite of that, it's to persuade the world outside of that. That's why sport's important.